One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. This is God's word. Jesus is my prayer. The meeting at church is about to close. And the leader says, would anybody like to close with prayer? Looking around, he sees no one raises his or her hand. So the leader says, well, let's just close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Sound familiar? When and how are we to use the Lord's Prayer? Think about that. As we consider Jesus is my prayer. Jesus is my prayer. He is the source. We learn so much by those who influence us. Our parents. Our teachers. Maybe pastors. Our friends. Who taught you to pray? Where did we learn our Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Who taught us our now I lay me down to sleep? Or our Father who art in heaven? Maybe in, in the same way we learned them that Jesus' disciples learned by someone modeling. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Jesus indeed was a man of prayer. From the first simple Jewish prayers that Mary taught him, to the various times we think of him praying during his ministry, giving thanks for that small boy's lunch, and then feeding five or ten thousand. His agonizing prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he, his sweat was like drops of blood. His horrific prayer on the cross, when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His prayer of commitment to his Heavenly Father, when it was all finished, into your hands I commit my spirit. So it isn't surprising that after one time of Jesus' praying, when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. See, for teachers, for, for rabbis at that time, they would often instruct them in various methods of prayer. John the baptizer did, and many of Jesus' disciples were disciples of John so now they come to him and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. He said to them, when you pray, say, 
And then what is, that follows is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. Might better be titled Jesus' Disciples' Prayer. The People's Bible Commentary on this section from Matthew, the Lord's Prayer we find both in Luke and in Matthew, has a most informative introduction. It reads like this. The Lord's Prayer is a model prayer. It is not only a prayer to repeat, it is a lesson in how to pray and what to say and what to pray for. It covers all of our needs of body and soul, but it is also concerned about the needs of our fellow Christians and all of all the uncounted millions who do not yet know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. It is an appropriate prayer on every occasion that calls for prayer. It, it puts first things first, but leaves nothing else. Good stuff, huh? The People's Bible Commentary have been written by pastors in, in our synod. This one happens to be written by uh, two Albrechts, Jerome Albrecht and Michael Albrecht. I don't exactly know the relationship. I guess I could ask later to find out what that is. But it, it is like having a pastor sitting with you at the kitchen table as you're reading your scripture. Or maybe in the front room. Check out the Bible section that you happen to be reading now. Check out one of these from the bookstore and library. Let's check out Jesus' model prayer. Jesus says, start with the one whom you are hoping to communicate with. Father, or as the Matthew account says, our Father in heaven. When we pray, Jesus urges us, go right to the top. You don't have to go through some intermediary. You don't have to go through some saint or a go-between. You can say, Our Father. Now maybe those words, at least at one time, sounded a little strange to you. Calling the Almighty God your Father? Of course Jesus could because he has been his son from eternity. But you and me? I wonder if the disciples didn't wonder if that wouldn't being a little presumptuous, saying, our Father? But that's what he is. He has been our Father since the day that we were adopted into his family, perhaps by the water of baptism and the Holy Spirit working to make us one of his children. Of course, not deserving to be adopted. We are born sinful, Hostile to God every second. I mean, even now, we continue to be disobedient and disrespectful. But every time Satan would come to you and say, Hey, the way you talked, the way you just acted, you don't deserve to be one of God's children. You can't call him our father. Then you are to remember that Jesus is with his heavenly Father, saying, no, no, I, I paid for that sin. I was punished. So they wouldn't be punished. My blood was shed on the cross. 
I suffered their punishment that they deserved. And that's certain and that's true. I never acted, Jesus said, in any of those kinds of sinful ways. So now their spiritual birth certificate is really mine with their name on it. That's why we can pray our Father. Remember that. No matter where you are and what your location is, the time of day or night, you have our Father's private cell phone. He never puts you on hold. You never get a recording, say, I'll give you a prayer after the buzzer and he'll get back to you sometime. No. He's there waiting, excited to hear from you, and also prepared to answer. No matter what embarrassing situation we may have found ourselves in, we can pray our Father in heaven. Jesus is my prayer. He is the source. Jesus is my prayer. He is also gives the, the priority. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was young and went away to college, the only time I ever called home was when I needed something. Or unless it was some special, you know, parent's birthday or, or something like that. I seldom called home to say, well, thank you, Mom and Dad, for all, all the, the blessings that you have given me. But now, with all of our girls away, either going to school or married and teaching at school, my wife and I wish they would call more often. Rather than just special days or when they would need something. I guess one has to be taught these things. So Jesus teaches his disciples then and now that when we're communicating with God, when we're speaking from our heart and from our mind, begin by saying, hallowed be your name. Before the, God, I need this, please help me. Oh, God, forgive me. Remember to thank him for his many blessings. Of course, to, to thank him, we have to remember the blessings, right? And think about them. Not only when we lose some of the blessings, you know, I, I really appreciate my ability to talk today. Last week, I couldn't talk. You know, and then, oh, it's so neat, right? To just be able to open your mouth and have words come out, it's cooler than cool. What a good and gracious God we have. He was just as good and gracious, you know, before I lost my voice last week. You see, there is nothing that we can do to make God's name more holy. It is holy in and of itself. But the things that we do and the things that we say can bring praise and honor to him. And maybe we can just get a little glimpse of how he must be honored by us at times when, if you're in a situation where you have children or grandchildren, and they bring you such joy by the things they do, or things they say, or the way that they act. I mean, you and I didn't make the basket. We weren't the one that was kind to the other person in their class. But when we see that, or hear about that, 
You know, we are proud of them. We find joy in that. Your Heavenly Father finds joy in you. Whether, whether it's a big thing or a little thing, whether it's something that is done or said in private or in public, it brings glory to Him. And when others see the things that we do or say that bring glory to Him, that flows right into Jesus' next instruction for prayer. He says, Your kingdom come. God's kingdom is where God rules, and most importantly, in people's hearts and in people's lives. His rule begins when the Holy Spirit defeats Satan's sinful grasp on us. His rule begins when the dynamite of the gospel blasts open our stone-hardened, sinful hearts. God's rule begins and continues when, through faith in Jesus, we as crushed, repentant sinners turn to our Heavenly Father and say, Dear Father in Heaven, forgive me. And we know that forgiveness is certain, and that forgiveness is sure. The kingdom of God continues when the Holy Spirit feeds us with a diet of His Word, guards us, defends us, protects us, Especially when we hear and think about that marvelous, marvelous events of Jesus' life, his birth and his, his perfect life and his death and his resurrection and the ascension and what that means to us, brothers and sisters of Christ. But this petition is not just an, you know, an inside prayer, you know, some special code that we as Christians have between ourselves. When we pray thy kingdom come, it is also we pray thy kingdom come to those other people in this world who do not know Jesus yet. Maybe they're our family members. Maybe they're our neighbors, people in our community. Maybe they're people around the world. We pray thy kingdom come so someday they may join us in hallowing God's name in heaven. That's why we support the work of our Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. We support missions. That's why we reach out into our community. Why we have a Christian elementary school. It isn't just for us, but it's open to people in our community that want that for their children to come to know God as their Heavenly Father also. So we offer Sunday school. Sunshine Station last Saturday. Why we have an Easter for kids coming up. Why we have community open events like our harvest celebration or our live nativity. We do these things and pray that God's kingdom come and that he would use us together in our church to be instruments in bringing that word of Jesus to people's hearts so the kingdom of God can come to them. Jesus is my prayer. He gives the priority. Jesus is not some kind of a spiritual guru that's living up in a cave in a mountain someplace that's out of touch with reality. He knows what it's like to be hungry and tired, sad and suffering. 
He knows and cares about the sick and the unemployed. He did when he walked this earth, and he still does today. He cares about them and does something about it. Yes, in this model prayer, he reminded us to be first and foremost thinking about our spiritual relationship and our spiritual needs, but also pray for the earthly needs. Give us each day our daily bread. It is absolutely God-pleasing for us to pray about and for each and everything that we need. We can even suggest to God a good way of, of having that come about. But we also trust that our Heavenly Father will provide in the ways that He knows is best for us. I mean, earthly fathers, we would not give our children something we know would be harmful, even if they really wanted it badly. And neither will our Heavenly Father. And He knows exactly what is best for us. Jesus emphasizes to pray for our daily needs. That doesn't mean we're not going to need anything tomorrow, but it means that God knows what we need for tomorrow, and the same God that provides for today will be there tomorrow, and he's still in control. That's so, so we don't have to worry about that. So we don't have to stress about what might, could happen. God's had it under control. Just focus on your day, needs in this day. The disciples then and now had another continual need for daily living, and it was a spiritual need, a need for forgiveness. Jesus urges his disciples to pray, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Kind of sad. We have an ongoing daily need to ask for forgiveness because we sin. We continue to sin. Willful sinning, unconscious sinning, un unwilling sinning. We continue to sin and build up a debt. So Jesus put this spiritual need request in the prayer at this point. With the strength that Jesus gives us, we have the privilege of constantly turning to Heavenly Father. Constantly turning assured that he listens. He never gets tired. I mean, how many times can you listen to somebody, the same old story, and you don't shut your ears off? He doesn't. He continues to listen and continues to remember what Jesus did so that we would have forgiveness. That is so important for us, for you and me to know you have God's forgiveness. See, otherwise you set yourself up to be an easy target for Satan. How important it is also then that we forgive those who have sinned against us. For if we don't, and they know it, we set them up to be easy targets for Satan. And if we are hardened in our unforgiving attitude, we also might be setting ourselves up for earthly and eternal consequences that Jesus warns about in Matthew, Matthew 6, 14. He says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive yours. 
Think about that. Think about that when you just can't seem to be able to, to get that, whatever it is, that gumption, that, that desire to say to that person, I forgive you. Or to say to God, I forgive that person. Whether they ask for it or not, whether they deserve it or not, we don't deserve it. How important that is. That we more and more grow in God's grace and his ability and power to forgive others. Jesus closed his model prayer in Luke with, and lead us not into temptation. Obviously, our loving Heavenly Father doesn't tempt any of us to sin. That's Satan's job, and he does a pretty good job of that. So the disciples are to pray that God keeps Satan away, or that he strengthens them and us to say no to Satan. Jesus is my prayer. He makes it sufficient. Scripture is so beautifully clear and encouraging on the sufficiency of, of Scripture that, that it, it's enough. Why? Because of the promises of Jesus. Listen and be encouraged as I repeat some of those promises that our God gives us. In Ephesians, Paul said, In him, Jesus, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Reminded in Matthew 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, the door will be opened. Then in John, in that day you will no longer ask me anything, Jesus said. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is the confidence John wrote in his first epistle. We have an approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And finally, in Luke 1, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. No prayer is too great. No, no asking is, is too difficult with God. I think all of us, as we look back, can think of wonderful examples of God answering prayers in the most amazing ways. Think about some of those examples and others that you know. How do you picture God, your Father? I'd like to suggest a, a possible way of thinking about that. And it has to do with our youngest daughter, Krista. Krista tore her ACL and uh, had to have it replaced. And she had a most wonderful, marvelous, gifted surgeon to do that. Somewhat older, but very gifted. And you'd go from time to time, she'd go and we'd go with her to uh, the uh, appointments and consultations and uh, right up front, he told her, a torn ACL repaired takes six months. You can't rush it, no matter if you're a, a novice athlete or a pro athlete. You can't make it go faster than six months. He says, my years of experience have taught me that. So he'd go in every so often, every month or so. She was going to physical therapy, doing all the things she's supposed to do. And the problem with the six-month rule was that meant volleyball season was over. No volleyball, and she, she loved volleyball. But she progressed quite quickly, or she had, knee was strong and good mobility and all that. And I don't know if it was a miscommunication or what happened, the secretary called, but for some reason we had the idea that she was going to be cleared to play in October, which was uh, a month and a half too early. 
So I went to that, that uh, meeting, and uh, she was sitting on the little black table that she used to sit on you know, in the offices. Um, and uh, the doctor again gave her the six-month rule. And she looks up at him like a little girl would look at their grandfather, you know. And he says, but doctor, you don't understand. I go to a little tiny school that only has, has 90 kids in the whole school. We've lost every single volleyball game. Would it be possible for me, me just to be cleared to play back row? Uh, I'll just serve and I'll just, I'll just uh, pass. I won't jump, go in front row. Don't, won't do anything like that. And she looked up at this kindly father, grandfather-looking man and she said, Doctor, is that reasonable? <laughs> and it was, it was not... You guys, it's just, is that reasonable? And he looks down at her and he says, that's reasonable. And he cleared her. When we approach our Heavenly Father and we look into his eyes and we say, Heavenly Father, is that reasonable? I think he looks down at us because of Jesus and said, yes, that's reasonable. I'll do it. Amen.